Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour. Welcome to another edition of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireAct.com. I'm your host, Tony Simeone. A tough one down in Louisville, but we're here to talk about it with the head coach, Marcus Freeman this week, as we always do. Also had a couple of members of the special teams unit join us this week. Uh, Michael Vinson, or as some of you know him, Milk, was here to talk about his long snapping career, as well as Spencer Schrader, the kicker that you saw on Saturday night, knocking a couple of 50-plus yard field goals. At the end, we talked to Amir Carlisle, a guy you might remember from his playing days about a decade ago when he was here at Notre Dame. He's back as the director of player development, had a great conversation with what he's doing to help put all these players in position to succeed, whether it be at the next level professionally on the field or beyond that as well. This weekend, Notre Dame, of course, plays its rival, USC, one of my favorite games of the season. It is, of course, the jeweled shillelagh rivalry presented by DirecTV this season. Going to be a great matchup under the lights at Notre Dame Stadium. I'm confident this team will bounce back the way that we know they can on Saturday against the Trojans. So let's not waste any time. Let's talk to the head coach, Marcus Freeman. Coach, here we are, episode six. I know it didn't go the way you wanted on Saturday night at Louisville. Tough loss. Just now that you've had, it's been about, what, 36 hours since the game. What's the primary area you guys didn't meet the standard you try to set every week? Well, I think we, we always talk about taking care of the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had one turnover on offense in the first six games, seven games. I don't know how many we played. But yeah. then to have five in one game, there's no way you win um, versus a good football team with five turnovers. And so that's the what, but we got to continue to figure out why. And, uh, you know, that's been what we've been doing for the past 38, 36 hours is figuring, okay, why did the turnovers, but why did the issues um, that we had in that game occur? And how do we have a better process to make sure it doesn't? The question I'm curious about as far as the season, I think college football, it's so interesting now because it gets diluted down. Can you make the playoff? Can you make the playoff? And when you have two losses, you can't really make the playoff. So for you as the head coach, how do you, I don't want to say keep the team motivated, but how do you message when it's possible on the outside, at least I hear, well, what are you playing for now? You can't go to the playoff. How do you message this week now that you have your second loss? You know, I think you, you got to look at it as, I think there's 130 teams in college football. At some point, 129 realize that they're not going to be the national champions. Mm-hmm. It might be after week six or it might be after some before the season starts. Right. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe after week one, but you know, that's that's why I never get up here and say the only goal we have is to be national champions. Everybody knows you want to be a national champion, but that's a result of a lot of different things. And so our jobs continue to reach our full potential. You built this brotherhood. You built this camaraderie that, you know, you get to compete for 12 guaranteed opportunities. Right. And these guys have worked tirelessly 300 and something days to prepare for 12 opportunities to play the game mm-hmm. that we love. And so um there's not going to be a lack of motivation because we're not going to make the playoffs. Like we have pride, right? right? The the pride you get from winning is, is undescribable. And so that's what this team will do. We'll, we'll bounce back and we'll be prepared to try to go get after the, the USC and, and this next opportunity to chance to, to be called a winner. And uh, um, there's a process to doing that, but our guys won't lack the motivation. Yeah. I was just thinking as you're giving me that answer, all the different guys, we've, we've talked to so many different players and they've mostly been older veterans. And I was thinking as you went through, I was like, okay, Tyree, Spencer, who's on the show today, Hartman's like, that, okay, it's kind of a silly question. These guys are going to show up and, and get it done. But yeah. Based on the guys we've had or just the leaders in that room, how confident are you when you have a team like that? You know that it's going to be self-motivating behind yeah. the scenes. You know, it's my job as a head coach is to set the culture and to set the mindset of this program. And, um, but it's driven by the coaches and the leaders on this team. Mm-hmm. And we have a strong group of leaders that will continue to drive home the message of, of you know, seize these opportunities that we have, mm-hmm. right, into our jobs to reach our full potential. And, and you know what, if you're an elite competitor, like I know these guys are, no matter if you win or lose the previous game, you're going to get the bubbles in your stomach that, that you get when you get excited to take on a, another opponent. And so – um, I'm excited to turn the page and, and let's go, let's get ready for USC. And 
we have to learn from last week, but we are full steam ahead to play a primetime game um, in Notre Dame Stadium like versus USC. They'll be ready to roll. It'll good to be be back home. Let's talk a little bit X's and O's. I'm curious because we sat here, I think it was three weeks ago, and you guys have scored 40 points in four straight games. And then the last three weeks, the offense really hasn't been at the same level. I'm sure you're going to put some stuff into practice this week, but when you've talked with the staff and gotten ready for this game this week, where are you guys trying to make some adjustments offensively to generate more points? You know, I think, each game is different. As you okay. look at the Ohio State game, we moved the ball really well and ran the ball well. But you have, I think, three times you're in Ohio State territory, you end up with zero points or yeah. something like that. You know, we turn the ball, we don't convert on fourth down or something, something happened. But, you know, Duke, they did a great job. We didn't establish our run game. And the same thing happened versus uh, Louisville. Mm-hmm. Is it the ability for our offense and how we are designed to have success is we have to be creative and find ways to be efficient in the run game. And that's, that's where we have to figure out what the issues are, you know, and, 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 and then when we have a chance to make some of those 50, 50 catches, those 50, 50 balls that we got to make them. And so all we've been figured trying to figure out is why didn't this work? Was there confusion? Was it a bad scheme? But there has to be a reason instead of just saying we should have called a different play. Like if we're going to call this play, there has to be solutions and there has to be answers. And we have to make sure our guys understand it and go execute it. I want to ask you about one player, Jordan Faison, who mm-hmm. had big explosive play, lacrosse player. Yeah. I was excited to see him get on the field and make a big impact play. When you see that speed on the outside, how does that excite you going forward? Yeah, Jordan's been a from the minute he walked in here now, he had football scholarships out. People act like we found him off the street. <laughs> right. Like, hey, come on, we need a white out. Like, come help Corrigan, us. Yeah. Over here, yeah. You know, he had football um, offers out of high school, um, but decided to come to Notre Dame to play lacrosse as long as he could play football. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw his tape, I'm like, there's no brainer. He, he's a great player. And, um, you know, he showed in fall camp that he could help us. You know, he's talented. I just didn't, we didn't think he, we needed him yet. He was on scout team. And then, you know, because of some injuries, we had to move him um, up to the travel squad. Mm-hmm. And, and over the course of about two to three weeks, he started building trust in a coaching staff that, Hey, he knows what to do, why to do it and how to do it. Yeah. And, and he did it with, with, with speed and velocity. And so it's great to see a guy that practices at a high level, go and do it in the game. And um, that's what you saw on Saturday. You mentioned USC. This is my favorite week out of the year. I'm going to share something with you. Both my parents are class of USC 76. Mm. So, you know, they're rooting for a different team usually this week, and we still love them, but, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, but you were the D.C. the one t- two years ago when they were here, yeah. and then you were out in L.A. last year. This will be your first time as head coach for this rivalry in this building. What does the rivalry mean? I'm sure growing up you saw the game. To me, it's like it's one of the coolest games, Notre Dame, USC to be the head coach, be in it at home. What does that rivalry mean to you? Well, you're you're grateful for the opportunity, um, you know, to represent such a a special football program and a special university. Um, to go against another, you know, what there's a lot of uh, parallels between the education at our institutions, and um, you know, we pride both schools pride themselves on on the the entire holistic approach of of the student athlete, and uh, they have a great team. Right. We know that. And uh, we're excited for the challenge. And um, I'm just excited to lead this group um, into Notre Dame Stadium Saturday. Last one before I let you get out of here. Just we've talked about, you know, what you have to do this week. But what is, you know, the thing you're hoping to see most on Saturday night from this team when they run out of the tunnel? Yeah, I know they'll be excited. Like, I don't have any reservations of this group being excited and ready to roll we have to execute we have to make sure that um, we are doing our job and because I don't worry about this group playing hard Mm -hmm. that's what they do you know that's the culture we build in our building like they're going to play hard they're going to give it everything they got but you have to do that with the right execution for us to have success and so that's kind of my focus is okay I know these guys will be ready, but we have to make sure they know what they're doing and and then they go and execute their job. Coach, four in a row in prime time. Looking forward again to seeing you under the lights. I'll let you get out of here. We're going to bring a couple special teams guys in after this. Absolutely. It's a privilege to be able to play in prime time. Hey, Notre Dame fans. This is Tony Simeone, host of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireRack.com. Much like the Fighting Irish, TireRack.com knows a thing or two about passion and performance. 
Their on-site test track is the Gridiron, and they've drawn up a playbook to make tire buying a snap. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide, plus mobile tire installation that comes to you. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm your game day face paint, and you just rubbed me right into your eye. Now your vision is super irritated. So is that driver you just hit. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, these damages will rob you blind. So switch to Allstate. Save $468 and get better protected from mayhem, like me. National average annual savings of new auto customers surveyed in 2022 who switched to Allstate. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. How's it going, guys? Great. How are you? Good, good. We were talking a podcast before, but we've got Spencer Schrader, Michael Vincent, Milk. We're going to get into that in a second. Um, We're going to dive deep into that. But this is our Yeti coldest moment segment. So we always have a couple guys on, talk about coldest moment of the week. Let's talk field goals. Two 50-plus yarders. Okay. Coldest moment of the week. Talk me through what it's like to bang through a 50-yarder. You know, it's it's a great feeling. but also you got to keep things in perspective. You know, you always got to be ready for the next kick. So celebrate with the buddies. Enjoy that moment. Uh, dap everyone up, tap the hat, and then just kind of go over to the sideline, prepare for the next next kick. Can we talk about the daps? Is there like a dap sequence? How does that all go with you guys? We don't we really, really have, do anything. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of just kind of celebrate real quick, and it's like, yeah, all right, let's go. Made it. If I was on your face and just go, yeah. If I was on your guys' unit, I would absolutely have like a choreographed yeah. dap. I couldn't be on the third phase I will, and not After the, the second one, there was some language that was like, yeah, let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. It was yeah. fun. It's exciting. What's your role like? I, I feel like, you know, if the field goal goes in or not, we all talk about this guy. But mm-hmm. if you were to do something that you weren't supposed to do, everyone would be all over you, right? right? So what what's your mindset like when you get set for a field goal? So for me, um, you know, just putting my guys in the best possible situation for them to execute, you know, getting a good snap to Bryce so that he can make his kick, you know, just really starting the whole process. And my mindset is just, you know, just be as smooth as possible, smooth, smooth as fast. And so for me, like, in order for the team to have success, I got to be successful for mm-hmm. them. I feel like I haven't talked to a lot of Long snap. You might be the first one, actually. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not the last. Yeah. So there's a different length snap on field goal and on punt, right? I think Correct. I was reading an article. You practice different lengths, mm-hmm. right? It's like six yards, twelve yards, fifteen. Mm-hmm. How do yeah, you correct? What's the difference then between a long one mm-hmm. and then that shorter one for for field goal extra point? So for field goal an extra point, it's more uh, planned out, if you will. You know, like I. I can hold the ball a certain way to make sure that the laces are out for field goals so that it makes the holder's job really easy. All he has to do is just put it down, you know, try not to spin the laces too much. Mm -hmm. So that one's more, I don't want to say like just, you know, just kind of easier because it's not, I think it's actually harder than punt because on punt you can just be aggressive and just let it fly. It doesn't matter where the ball ends up or where the laces end up. Correct. Okay. Correct. So for punt, it's more about location. For field goal, it's location and laces. So you're telling me that on a seven, it's a seven yard snap, right? Or is it eight Eight now? Eight Eight now? Mm -hmm. I think when I grew up it was seven, now it's eight. (laughs) But you're telling me that when you are practicing that snap, you're trying to basically manage the amount of spin so that the laces end up in a certain spot over eight yards, and you can you can control that. Too. Yeah, correct. See, that's something that no one thinks about when they watch football, right? Yeah. I, I know that we, we were talking before we started just that, to me, and I want to hear you guys both talk about this, like third phase, it, it, people mostly talk about third phase when it goes wrong, right? Mm-hmm. If you hit a game-winning field goal, they'll talk about you. Uh, maybe if you make a big tackle on specials, they'll talk about you. But mm-hmm. mostly they're just waiting and fans like, okay, we missed the field goal. What the heck's wrong with this operation? So what's it like in that position where a lot of times it feels like your success might not be celebrated as much as your potential failure? Yeah, so special teams I think is probably one of the most, if not the most important phases in football because punt is the most important play in football because it's the only play where you can change uh, field position. And the battle of field position is so key for our team. You know, if we can do our job and execute, make them start from within their own 20, then we've done our job as specialists, as a special teams unit, and then they have to go 80 yards down the field to mm-hmm. score a touchdown. So the battle of field position is is so incredibly impactful in a game. What about you? How do you manage that mindset? Yeah, I think to, to speak on what Milk said, for me it's about doing my job for the team. And so not getting so caught up in the emotions of 
oh, like we made this big kick. It was from such a far distance. Like that's a personal record or where we missed a kick from wherever. It's just my job is to go out there, execute my task for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I try to think about. And that's what drives me to be better. Um, but you can't get caught up in the emotion of it or what could go bad or what could go go, go right. It's just about going out there and executing your job as, as a trio and then as, as the unit as a whole. Um, and being successful for the team. How do you stay positive? Because you've missed field goals this year, and you came back and hit 250 yarders in the last game. How do you not let that doubt creep in? Well, a lot of it's these guys. Okay. I, I, I couldn't ask for a more supportive group, from a head coach down to the specialists, down to the players on the team. And so we've worked so hard ever since you know February you know, mm-hmm. as a unit preparing for this, and I'm confident in my abilities. Uh, we do it all the time in practice. And so it's not it's never a matter of, oh, I don't think I have the technical ability or the skill to be able to execute. It's just I need to be in the best mental place and as confident as I can be to go out there and do my job. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are super confident in it. And so can't let those negative emotions get into your head. Just got to move on to the next kick, next opportunity and do the best you can. I want to hear you guys both explain to me what the role of the holder is like, because I got the two guys that are not the holder here. Mm. To me, I watch it. I, I think it'd be difficult. I, I think it'd be hard. Like you said, if you don't get the laces in the right spot, you got to be mm. quick. You see how fast that operation moves. Right. What's that role like? How do you guys both interact with the holder? I'll start with you, Milk. But like, how tough is that job? Because to me, it's the job that no one ever talks about. But I, I get a little bit squirmish when I watch him <laughs> spin yeah, those laces. It's, it's definitely one of the tougher jobs on the football field. You know, the the trust factor is so huge between me and and our holder Bryce. You know, it's a lot of reps at practice, okay. just making sure that you know, where he is and where and how I'm gripping the ball, we can make sure that he's in the best position to be successful. So there's a lot of reps during practice that not a lot of people see because we're trying to get this thing so finely tuned in order to be successful as a unit. What about from your standpoint when you're kicking, what's your relationship like with Bryce when he has to hold for you? Yeah, I think ideally uh, it becomes a muscle memory type of thing that we've practiced so much that it's so efficient that we're not really thinking about it. Okay. You know, milk's getting down. He's snapping the ball. Bryce is catching it. He gets laces. He puts it down. And then I'm just executing the kick. Yeah. So we're all so focused on just completing our task that it just becomes like a muscle memory operation. Get it in 1.3, 1.35 seconds. So oh. mm-hmm. and I think Bryce is very confident as well. Yeah. Like he has great hands. He's really good at the at holding. He's done a bunch of practice. And so, you know, just for him to have the confidence to go out there and be like, I know what I'm going to get from milk. He's really consistent. All I got to do is put it down, and Spencer will put it through. Of all three of you, who has the hardest job then? We debate this all the time. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm the only, well, not just me, all long snappers. We're the only position group that plays the game upside down. You know, okay. You think yeah, about it, think we're it the that only way. group that's upside <laughs> yeah. down. Everyone else is right side up. So that. That's my main argument is, yeah. At least, yeah, like kicking a ball is really, really hard. People don't really understand how difficult it is yeah. until you do it. They've been but, doing the kick on college game day. Have you seen that? And yeah. they have all yeah. the students come out. And you see, oh, yeah. Shout this out is, Pat McAfee. Oh, yeah, he's, he's showing bringing, how he's raising awareness. Yes. <laughs> what do yeah. you think the hardest job is? You're not kicking upside down. Yeah. I Honestly, exactly. I try not to get into the debates all that much. <laughs> I kind of stay on the fringe. Uh, I think in their own way, they're each a difficult task. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, but, uh, Very diplomatic answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stay out of the frame. But right. I do think uh, punting is probably the hardest job. There's so many variables at play. You know, yeah. If the, if the snap is on the money or if it's not on the money, you know, you have wind to deal with, you have weather, you have all these, you know, you can drop it a certain way that leads to a bad punt. So I I got to give Bryce a shout out. I mean, I yeah, think yeah. that's the hardest job. The technical job in the skill room. to hold and drop and everything with punting. It's like they each have their different challenges, yeah. whether it's physical or mental, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another one where rarely are you raving about the great punt. You're talking about the one that was shanked exactly. outside. Right. Right. Uh, not everyone probably knows the origin of milk. Can mm-hmm. we just update everyone on where it comes from? I've read plenty of articles, but for those right. of you that might be getting acclimated, your name is Michael Finson, but you go by milk. Can you just explain that? Yeah, so when I came in as a freshman in 2018, Tyler Newsom and all the specialists that were here, they called our room the, the cheese unit. Mm-hmm. And so I had to earn my cheese status. So they gave me the temporary nickname of milk right. in order for me to earn my cheese status You know, after fall camp or whatever. But it just kind of stuck. You know, Tyler introduced me to all the players and coaches as Milk. And then, you know, it just stuck with, with everyone on the team. So I've just been Milk ever since. You've been here for a while. I want to. <laughs> Long time. <laughs> what, six, six years, right? Six years, yeah. 
And you mentioned Tyler. I think he was a captain, right? He was. So just since I've been here, you know, the special teams have played a big role on mm-hmm. the field, but I think in a leadership capacity. You don't see that all the time. So just Mm-mm. as that special teams room, you've seen it evolve in your time here. How have you guys been able to lead? I mean, I heard you talk about it. You take a lot of pride in your phase. You think it's the most important phase. Mm-hmm. What have you guys done in that room to make it a group that leads the entire football team? Yeah, so when I first came in, we had unbelievable leaders. Like you said, Tyler Newsom, he, uh, he was a captain, you know, and when you think of specialists, you don't think of guys who are leaders on the team, leaders in the weight room. But this guy was at the top of our leaderboard for points. Like he was the he was beating, you know, like the running backs, wide receivers and sprints, you know, during our protect the house. He finished third overall mm-hmm. running the whole stadium. So just kind of learning from his mindset and everything. And then also John Shannon, really good long snapper yeah. who, who was here, was the first ever winner of the Pat Manley Award. You know, his leadership, what I've just kind of taken away from it is don't expect anything less than our standard you know like mm-hmm. we have a certain standard that we have to go out there and perform our job yeah it doesn't matter what role we are you know a lot of teams think of specialists kind of outcasts right. but for us we take pride in what we do because like i said earlier i i truly believe that special teams is one of the most important phases if not the most important phase i love hearing you talk about the third phase it's a great phase i appreciate you stopping by we're going to keep you here and let you get out of here but we're gonna bring coach in right now after this. awesome appreciate right, it sounds good thanks mill yep thank you and we're back with the action. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever? That's right, Jim. With an irresistible taste and zero sugar, Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any sports fan. So make sure you... Wait, Jim, I didn't mean try it right now. We're still on the air. Mmm. Best Coke ever? Take a taste, Jen. Really? No, not right now, Jen. we got a game to call. Hey, it's Tony Simeone, the voice of Notre Dame Athletics. Have you saved enough for retirement? Howard Bailey Financial is the official wealth management partner of Notre Dame Athletics, and they have a free resource that you can download right now. Get insight on taxes, social security, income planning, and much more by visiting retirewithpurpose.com echo. That's retirewithpurpose.com echo. Notre Dame Athletics was compensated for this endorsement and is not a current client of Howard Bailey. For more information, visit howardbailey.com slash disclosure. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! All right, Coach Freeman, welcome back. Spencer, looking great. I want to, before we get into this conversation about kicking, I'm wearing this new Under Armour line. I got my athleisure on. You've got some athleisure on, too. And, Coach, I think I see you with the new Coaches collection. Is that what you got? Yeah, I think they just came out with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. You know, it's a lot of our sideline gear, you know, that they're kind of selling. Um, But, you know, they're a great sponsor and and a great partner Mm -hmm. um, with our athletic department. And uh, I think our guys are are really starting to value it and – you know, definitely benefiting from it. Yeah, I feel good in mine. Uh, I want to ask you about this guy to your left here. 50 yarders, 250 yarders in the last game. The confidence to put him out there to knock those in. What goes through your head when you get in range and you got Spencer on the sideline? You know, I think it starts with the communication with Coach Biagi um, mm-hmm. about where he feels with the wind and the game that line is. And, and I have a lot of confidence in this guy. I've seen him make it from 60 in practice um, with room to spare. And so, you know, practice and games are two different things, but that builds confidence when yeah. you see him continuously do it in practice. And, uh, you know, he's a, a definitely a weapon for us. Yeah. What's it like to have a coach that is confident enough to put you out there like that? I mean, Coach Free is the most supportive coach that I've ever had. And so mm-hmm. it, it's uh, confidence inspiring for me because I know what I'm capable of and I know what my uh, technical gifts are. But to have people around me that are fully supportive of me and know that I can go out on the field and execute that at a high level makes me more more excited to get those opportunities mm-hmm. and, and, and gets me in a better mindset when those opportunities come around. Yeah. What was it like to go out there and not hit one but two? I mean, I think it's been done 50-plus in a game. Do you know about, like, the records you're setting while you're here? I don't. Uh, <laughs> during during the game, I try not to think about okay. it. Really, uh, 
my task is to make the kick from wherever it is. And so I know the general distance just so I have an idea of sure. what I'm working with going out there. But I don't think, oh, this is particularly this distance because I, I know that if I just hit my normal kick that it's going to be good from a, from a good distance. You said you've seen him hit 60. So what's the furthest you've made one from in practice? Uh, 70 was the furthest oh in practice God. off 70? the sticks. 61 <laughs> That's was off the furthest in like a snap hold okay. uh, situation. And is 70 with a holder or is that off a tee? That was off the sticks, yeah. Oh, okay. So it, it, <laughs> that was just going out there okay. having some fun. Okay, but know. 61? Yes. 61. Okay, and so you're talking to Marty, but like, could we run him out there for a 60 yard? <laughs> if or? it was before the half or okay. to win a game, okay. I don't care if it's 60 or however far. Right. You know, I have a lot of confidence that he's going to – he has the leg, yeah. you know, to put it through. And so – you know, we, we have a lot of fun in practice where, you know, I'll kind of mess with him as he goes through his, you know, mechanics. And, and really what you're trying to do is just distract him, right? Okay. And you're trying to simulate the crowd. You're trying to simulate something happens that gets him out of his focus. Right. And, um, you know, he does a good job of not paying attention and just kicking it right through. And, you know, I kind of get mad. I'm like, man, I'm going to be able to get him. I'll, I'll walk right in the middle, right in front of him. Like, really? As he's getting prepared. Um, but he's able to really just focus in, lock in and. So he's through. standing right next to you as you're getting ready to line yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Any different good, things to yeah. try to mess with me, but any good, uh, you know, verbal assault or anything that's throwing you off your game? No, like no, no good jokes that, that made you. He doesn't hear up? me. Yeah, he doesn't hear me. Really, you just yeah. gotta block it out. Yeah, it's it's when you put yourself in that game mindset, everything's just kind of like a fuzz. Hmm. You know, it's a haze. You're not focused on it. So, who did you look up to when you're getting ready to kick at a football level? Who are the kickers that you've admired in your career? So. I come from a pretty non-traditional background in right. kicking. I didn't even kick till my senior year of high school. Yeah. And so I didn't really watch football or have any kickers that I followed. My biggest role model was Tim Tebow. And so if I could do anything in the kicking space for my position to kind of replicate his career and the type of person that he is, hmm. then I'll feel you know proud of myself. So I, it wasn't a particular kicker that I was like, man, I look up to him. I want to be like him. It was more of a, of a message and what I wanted to accomplish on a bigger stage that followed more after someone like Tim Tebow. That's got to be kind of cool to hear a, uh, someone specialist, like looking up to a quarterback. Yeah. We're not just wanting to follow a kicker, follow a, a football player. Not the kickers aren't football players, but just a guy <laughs> that maybe quarterback the team, right? That tells you something about yeah. his mindset. Yeah, that tells you about, that speaks volumes about Spence. And, you know, we were recruiting him and I got a chance to meet with him in my office. You know, he left there and I'm like, this is a special individual, mm -hmm. you know, and his family and, you know, being from Indiana, um, it was uh you know, he's a, a great person. Yeah. Um, obviously, being a great kicker is an added bonus, but, uh, you know, he, he definitely makes an impact on you. I think I saw you because you kicked in the 2020 game when you were at USF, right, this yeah. year? And you said that that experience made you think if you ever had a chance to come here, you might want to come back, right? Is that the case? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was such a cool trip, and I got one kickoff. That was it. To start I know. The game. I didn't want to bring that up. But, no, it was hilarious. <laughs> it's a good after, Notre Dame thing, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. After the game, my family was so happy. They're like, you were on the Sky Cam. And the music was playing and it circled around you. And they were like, how cool is that moment? And I was like, it's just special. It's such a blessing to be out there on that field with such a historic program and the people that have been here. It's like you just you feel that energy mm -hmm. around you. And I don't think that you could really experience it to that extent anywhere else. Yeah. And so I remember that from being here. And that was with no fans, right? Wasn't that yeah, that was. It was just students, right? Yeah, yeah it was during the 2020 COVID, year. So. Yeah, yeah. But Crazy. It was, it was so a weird special. vibe that year too. Yeah. What was it like at Cincinnati? Were you guys no fans? Uh, it was. It was similar. I think we had a band. Students, maybe a band. You know what? I don't know if we had students, but you know, I think families could come. It was that was, was uh, those are wild because we played. We played South Florida when I was at Cincinnati that same year because I remember yeah. watching Notre Dame play South Florida, and then we played at Cincinnati that year. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. you kick then? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, maybe another couple of kickoffs or what we beat you. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Digging up the old wounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you said soccer. You didn't kick footballs until senior year. I think it's soccer, we were talking some tennis before. So just what was your sports background, I guess, before you got into football kicking? Yeah, I've always taken pride in being a multi-sport athlete. I always wanted to be seen as an athlete before just a specific position. Mm -hmm. So I played soccer my entire life, uh, tennis as well. At the end of my high school career, really got to have to you know narrow down my options so I played football just for fun uh, ended up pursuing soccer went overseas to Brazil and Canada for a year after my high school career was done wow. and then when I got back to the United States had the opportunity to walk onto the football team at USF so I chose that route but I think it was good to, to play multiple sports develop a well-rounded athleticism 
you know, the experiences, the people that you meet that prepares you for going on into life and, and being a great business person or even being a s- successful kicker. Mm-hmm. So he, he's, aren't you the second best athlete though in your family after your sister? She's, she's a beast. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Say. I remember what, that. I looked her up. What, why don't you tell everybody what, what she does athletically? Well, so she played uh, high school soccer for three years. That was it. She yeah. didn't even take her senior year. Uh, set the goal scoring record. I think it was 101 goals in three years, <laughs> 50 her senior, her junior year. And then went on to play at USF and then University of Tampa. And then now she runs Schrader Athletics, our private training company, full-time. Wow. And does an incredible job with it. When you are recruiting coach or when you're identifying guys you want to be on the team, does multi-sport play into that? Do you want to find guys that play more than just football? Does that go into your factoring, what you decide when you bring someone in? No? You know what? So many kids now specialize in one sport yeah. that you can't um, say I'm only looking for multi-sport sure. athletes. but. To me, it speaks volumes about the competitive spirit that person has. Yeah. You know, that's why I love when our young people play more than just football mm-hmm. because it shows that they have that competitive. There's nothing that simulates the competitive spirit of competing against somebody else. And when I hear about guys that tr- that run track or play soccer or, you know, basketball, like I love it more than anything because you know they're getting that competitive drive to be a winner. And so uh, I love multi-sport athletes. Okay, you mentioned tennis. I told you I'd ask you a question here. Who is your tennis goat? Roger Federer. Oh, <laughs> hands down. It has to be. I think he's a legend in the sport. Can't deny what he's done for it. But uh, I respect a lot of guys. Djokovic, obviously, okay. with, with with the morals and the values that he stands on, I think is incredible. 24 now. Yeah, 24. Federer's going to probably end with 20. I think yeah. Nadal's at 22. So you're, you think the best tennis player had the third most slams? Yeah, there's different ways to define GOAT. <laughs> I think greatest yeah, yeah. on-the-court achievement, got to hand it to Djokovic. Uh, okay. but, but what he's done for the sport, the type of character that he had, another big role model of mine, uh, Roger Federer is, is my personal favorite. Yeah. I have just a running disagreement with all Federer fans that Djokovic is the best. But What okay. about Andre Agassi and like Pete Sampras? Okay. Pete you're, Sampras? You're repping, you, uh, yes, yeah. Sampras. Now, I, I am all for repping U.S. tennis greats, but we are in a dark place in the United States men's tennis. Serena's got yeah. us covered on the women's side, but the, the men are just letting us down left and right. I mean, do you think anybody can win a slam? Do you see anybody that can win a slam? Uh, I don't know. Every year at the U.S. Open, they get me all excited and then just... Don't get it done. Someone right? will come along. You think so? Yeah, it's at like some tw- point. It's been 20 years since Andy Roddick did it. Yep. It's kind of a bummer. And you're saying you play pickleball? I do, yes. Okay. Have you played pickleball? No. Oh, okay. Our players oh, keep telling me that. that. <laughs> yeah, they keep telling me. It's like a mixture between what? Tennis and, and tennis and ping pong? Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll I, try. I, I've been playing with my wife, and it's it's fun. But it's I've heard that like a lot of, because you said in Florida it's big. Huge. And But it's amongst the, the older people. People play it a lot, right? And there's, I've seen like a lot of injuries have it, taken place. It was as well. amongst the older people. There's a lot of young people playing okay. it now. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, maybe we'll get a pickleball match at some point. End of the season, we'll all get together. <laughs> I'm in. Whenever. Let's okay. do it. Well, I, last one I usually ask is before they get out of here, but obviously he's got a great leg. Yeah. Hopefully we see him kick at the next level. But I can you already tell just talking about him and, and reading some stuff you said about him. This is a guy that you've really liked having in your program around the the team. What's it meant to have Spencer on campus this year? Oh, he's been amazing. He's not the most non Notre Dame, Notre Dame kid, right? Like when when I met with Spence in my office, I'm like, this dude belongs at Notre Dame. Yeah. Because he sees he wants to be the most elite kicker, right, that he can be, but he sees that at some point this thing will end and he has plans for life after football. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, he's capitalizing off of that now. And so he'll be successful, one, in football because he has a huge leg. He's uh, very consistent. He's a, a really great kicker. But, two, he's already making plans or doing current things to continue to be successful when he's done. So uh, I can't wait to watch it, man. Spence, thanks for coming by. Looking forward to seeing what you do on the field and off the field when you're done. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bank like the Irish when you become a member of Credit Union One, the official banking partner of Notre Dame Athletics. Open a Fighting Irish checking account to get special perks and choose from one of eight exclusive Notre Dame debit card designs so you can show your pride every time you pay. Plus, with the Credit Union One branch located just steps from campus at 1140 East Howard Street and CU1's highly rated mobile app, it's never been more convenient to bank on your schedule. Find out more at creditunionthenumber1.org Irish. Federally insured by NCU. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open a nice cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? 
or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. All right, so Amir Carlisle, welcome to Wake Up the Echoes. It's good to have you back on campus. We were just talking, getting your South Bend weather wardrobe back together. You still got to get a coat, you said? Yeah, yeah, I got to get a coat. I still got to get some boots. Got to get some long underwear, so I'm unprepared, but got to, you know, make a trip to Walmart soon. What, where are you from originally? I'm from the, so it's kind of weird. So grew up in New Jersey until uh, seventh grade. My dad was coaching, so he ended up going out, or we ended up going out to the Bay Area. Mm. Uh, he took a job with the 49ers. So grew up in Santa Clara, California, um, right across, which is now the Levi Stadium. Yeah. So uh, grew up in Santa Clara, went to high school in Sunnyvale, and been there the last five years. And he was with the Niners, and what would that be, like late 2000s? What was that, like 2006, yeah. 7 era? Or? Yeah, so uh, first year was 05, okay. um, and then he left San Francisco in 2011, and then they moved out to West Lafayette, and he was working at Purdue. Is this around like Mike Singletary time? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't play with him. Yeah, yeah. Can't coach hey, with him. He Can't was do there, it. He, he was there during that that legendary speech. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that. Man, it was one. it was cool. And I got, you know, when I was young, I got to be around the team and be in the locker room and meet, you know, Frank Gore and all these guys, which was a pretty awesome experience growing up. Frank Gore, he's like all-time running back, one of the yeah. best. You definitely got to give him his flowers. He, <laughs> In my opinion, Hall of Fame running back, I think five-time pro bowler, third, mm-hmm. what, Second or third all time leading rusher. Yeah, he got up there in the yard. Yeah, just what he did from a longevity standpoint is is incredible at the position. Mm -hmm. So definitely got to give him his flowers. So you're back on campus. Let's talk about your role first. You stepped into the role that Hunter Biven moved Mm -hmm. out of. Just describe for those that are listening that might not be familiar with what your responsibilities are. What are you in charge of with the football program now that you're back on campus? Yeah, so my role, my technical title is the director of player development. Um, and it encompasses so much. You know, there's really two main buckets that I like to look at. You have kind of your your maintenance management side of things, which is just making sure that, you know, our players' lives are, are running and, you know, they have no issues on the day-to-day. So that's everything from making sure that tickets are in to dealing with any housing issues to, you know, helping them onboard them when they're coming in here in the mid-year or, or in June in the summertime getting them into their dorms, um, that's, you know, help dealing with academics and, and Sarge and making sure that, you know, they're staying on the up and up academically. And so you're really the liaison between, you know, any and everything in their lives. Really, that's kind of how I like to think of it. It's, it's literally everything in their life um, and ensuring that it's operating smoothly. And then in the other bucket is more so the development piece. Um, and, and one of the things that we sell, you know, as Notre Dame is, is this four for 40 or four for forever, we like to call it now. And, you know, my big thing is you come to Notre Dame for it to be NFL or NFL in. You don't come here just to go to the NFL. And it's really my job to, I like to think of it in two ways, you know, help them find what they love outside of football and then help them become great at it and putting them in a position um, where they can, you know, achieve whatever their wildest dreams may be, um, but helping them tap into the network now, really helping them maximize their time here, whether that be going to events, you know, helping them find micro internships and experiences to kind of get their feet wet um, in various industries. And then most importantly, it's helping them really establish and build genuine relationships throughout their time here. I have a million follow-ups. Yeah. That that was that was an unbelievable yeah. uh, synthesis, like synthesization mm-hmm. of what what you do. That's awesome. Let's start with the onboarding. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the number one thing that you see when someone comes on campus? You have to make sure they're able to handle and manage and acclimate to on this campus. Yeah, it's it's just a lot. You know, when when you're when you're coming in as a true freshman. You know, most times it's the first time that you're away from your mom and your dad and you just have to navigate you're you're navigating life on your own. And so the really the first step is kind of being that support system and kind of helping at times is really holding their hand and helping them navigate the campus, you know, helping them from a time management standpoint. You know, now they have to balance academic requirements, athletic requirements. Now you introduce a third element with NIL. Um, And (laughs) so there's and then socially, you know, obviously they want to have social lives and make friends and, and have a great 
time. And so a lot of it is just, you know, when they get to campus, helping them navigate and balance all of these various responsibilities. Um, and so for me, it's a lot of handholding. It's really kind of being that true partner in their corner and, you know, checking in, making sure that they're, they're getting to class on time, working with our, you know, academic team, you know, checking in with the strength coaches. If anyone's coming up late, you know, making sure that we're on them and just having candid conversations and more so rather than condemning them, it's really just supporting and uplifting them as they kind of navigate this new um, transition in their lives. So I'd say that's really the biggest thing. It's just, it's so much new things mm -hmm. um, that you just have to figure out, like, how do you navigate it? And then really, for me personally, it's being that partner to help them navigate. You, you know, you went through it being an athlete, but I always, when I'm watching college sports, I do marvel sometimes mm -hmm. at how these kids and athletes are able to manage at this level. Because I remember my first mm -hmm. semester on college, and I, mm -hmm. at college I was like, I don't even know what to do. How do I do the laundry on my own? My yeah. mom's not making my bed. Like, there's so much to figure out. And on top of that, you have to go out and perform on a big stage like at Notre Dame. It can be overwhelming. You said something that I'd never heard. I want you to elaborate on it if you can. NFL and or NFL or. Mm -hmm. Explain that. And when you get certain players on campus, how you maybe have that conversation with what that means about their future endeavors. Yeah. You know, the first thing, you know, when we recruit guys, we want guys that go to that want to go to the NFL. Right. You know, obviously you want guys that want to play at the highest level that are committed, um, that want to be great at their sport. Um, and also on the flip side of things, you know, there are a lot of places that you could go to just be an NFL player. What makes us special here is the the four for 40, the four for forever. It's us actually investing in building the athlete in their entirety. Yeah. And, and one of my kind of selling pitches is, you know, whether it be NFL in or NFL or, you know, I'm not here to, to rain on anybody's parade and say, you can't go to the NFL. Like, I am all the way here to support your dreams, and I want you to go to the NFL. And really my selling point is, is you come to Notre Dame, so your net worth increases when you retire. And not many people can say that who finish their NFL careers. Really, that's the pinnacle of their lives. And from there, it's kind of just maintaining. But through the relationships, through the opportunities that we can really, you know, help put our players in. And, and really, again, I, I like to bring it back to relationships because the relationships, really building genuine relationships here now yeah. are going to open a door, you know, open so many opportunities down the line. And really, my goal is if you do it the right way, if you really maximize this place, your network should go up. You know, you should be have the opportunity to build generational wealth. That could be starting businesses. That could be new jobs. But really ensuring that their encore to their career is just as, you know, illustrious as as their playing career was. You mentioned helping them find maybe internships or what it might be. So what are some of the things then you guys organize to put the student athletes in position to identify what mm -hmm. those opportunities might be, whether it's after they graduate or after they're done playing to maximize their, their potential net worth down the road? Yeah. So kind of my approach to this is it's a little bit unique um, in that it's a it's a bottom up and a top down approach. And so how I look to look at it is you have 117 guys on the team and each of these 117 guys are at different points um, in their academic and their athletic and their social careers, per se. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a progression in that, you know, there are base level competencies that you want to build for a freshman. It could be, you know, having the resume built and having a LinkedIn profile. But like, it, you know, you don't, again, kind of what we talked about earlier, they have so much going on in that I'm not going to say, hey, Rico, I know you're trying to balance school right now. You're playing right now. You're trying to balance your social life. You know, you're thinking about taxes coming up. And now here are, you know, 10 alumni for you to connect with. Right. It's just too much. And so, you know, having an understanding of what that progression actually looks like. And so kind of on our scale, it's like this graph where you have level one experience, level one competency, which could be just creating a resume, right. you know, from a career building standpoint. And as they build and as they grow, you kind of walk them down the path where a level six experience could potentially be an internship. But they've had to build up towards that point where you're not just trying to drop them into an internship when, you know, previously they're just trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and so kind of from the bottom up, it's, you know, really looking at kind of what are the baseline things that we really want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And some of the things we're looking at is, you know, mental wellness, financial wellness, now that they can get paid, you know, relationship building, you know, some level of just, you know, exposing them to things outside of football so they can begin to kind of generate their own theses around life outside of the game. And then as they get, you know, build that foundation, it's now 
top down where it's done in a lot more smaller groups where we'll break guys down into, okay, here are guys that are really interested in finance and real estate. Um, How can we now give them, you know, hands on experience that could be, again, an internship that could be a career trek that could be, you know, somebody like Michael Malley, who leads our real estate institute here coming in and doing a talk with a small group. But like from the top down, as they've built that foundation, now it's about breaking them down into smaller groups where it's not as kind of one size fits all. It's more individualized to what they want to accomplish and what they want to do. And then now it's helping them kind of navigate the information that they're getting from those experiences. So bottom up, all 117, I want all of them to achieve this top down. Now, guys that have a little bit more conviction on their paths outside of the game, how can we get them in more intimate spaces where now we can really compound on, you know, learning and and experiencing what they're interested in? Hearing you talk about this, it's it's really interesting. I can tell you're passionate yeah. about it. Where does that passion come from? Where, where do you get the motivation to do what you're doing? Because I can just feel yeah. it hearing you talk that you want to have an impact in all 117 guys' lives. Yeah, 100%. And for me, it comes back to an experience that I had here. Okay. So when I came here from USC. Um, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my journey, I, I, was, I played as a true freshman. I had some injuries that kind of nicked me up. And, um, you know, going into my sophomore year, I talked to Lane Kiffin and I was supposed to be a guy that was significantly, um, you know, factored into being a playmaker for the team. You know, talked to my family. We ended up making the decision to to transfer out here when they moved out to Purdue. Um, and three weeks within kind of my time being here, I broke my ankle and soon learned that I had permanent nerve damage. And it was something for me that was really kind of the lowest point of my life and that I didn't think I was ever going to have the opportunity to play again. You know, I couldn't walk properly for a year. Um, I had the worst pain of my entire life. I didn't think I was ever going to get back on a football field. And it was kind of during this lowest moment um, that, you know, I was kind of you know looking in the mirror saying, why me? Like, you know, I had an opportunity. I would have gone to the NFL. I would have probably got drafted after my third, fourth year. You know, why am I here? Um, and it really shifted my perspective when I had a conversation with my mom and really what she told me is, you know, look at this through the lens of gratitude. You know, you are at one of the most prestigious universities. You do have the opportunity to, to learn, to impact others, but look at this through the lens of just simply being grateful and look at from a perspective outside of you. And so from then on, like it really shifted my perspective in that my purpose became, bigger than myself. It was no longer how could I become rich or how, you know, I could achieve my goals, but it was how could I actually impact the lives of others. Mm. And so kind of this kind of the servant posture, um, you know, kind of took that into my encore after my playing career and founded a company called The Players Company, where we were kind of that liaison and that conduit specifically for professional athletes and helping them find, you know, what they were passionate about and helping bridge the gap for them. Um, And really kind of when this opportunity came up, it was just the perfect intersection of really those passions. And, you know, one of, you know, educationally, just how can I pour into guys and again, help them find what they love and really truly help them become great at it. And that's where I found kind of my greatest fulfillment is in, you know, that service. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where it was born from. It was, you know, it was a tough situation. It was really, you know, my lowest point just from a physical pain, from a mental pain, from, you know, it was really hard. And then when I kind of shifted that perspective and said, you know, beyond what I could do for myself, what can I do for others? That's where I found my purpose. And now that's where I feel like I can live it out. You know, not everybody goes through that, right? They don't have a devastating injury Mm -hmm. or a mom that will give them the right message at the right time. So how do you guys communicate? Because when I was in college and I didn't play college football, Mm -hmm. but I thought everything going on at that time was the most important thing. And when something didn't go my way, like the whole world was against me and this and that. That happens to, I think, a wide variety of college students. So how do you guys message so that if somebody doesn't have, it doesn't take an injury, it doesn't take someone giving them a pep talk, they don't have that around. How do you message so they're prepared to generate that mindset during their time here? It really starts with patience. Mm -hmm. Um, And you really got to meet people where they are. You know, some guys are more receptive to that message earlier on. Mm. Um, and, and they get it and, and they understand, you know, how to, to go about their, their daily life, um, with, with a, you know, a more seasoned perspective, I'd like to say others who don't necessarily get it initially, it all, it happens over time. There's so much ebbs and flows within a college football, nothing ever goes perfectly. (laughs) And so there are times when you do face that level of adversity and where you kind of have this epiphany moment. But for me, it's planting seeds, being patient 
and and really just constantly being that support system. Um, Cause you know, if you continue to plant seeds, continue, you know, my, my old thing is just, you don't give up, you know, just continue to plant seeds. And sometimes they come around sometimes, unfortunately they don't, mm-hmm. but you know, from, from my perspective is just, you know, being that consistent, um, that peace in their life that is yeah. like, like, Hey, just keep going. And, and especially during times of adversity, like I always like to think, you know, there, there are no peaks without valleys. We all have to go through the fire um, in order to, to achieve our full potential. And it's, helping them maximize that fire where it's they're not going through it for no reason, but they're actually intentionally, you know, getting the experiences that are going to help them. Cause there's so many transferable skills that are yeah. learned, like through the ebbs and flows of a football season, through the ebbs and flows of a career injuries that are going to help them succeed in life thereafter. And so it's my goal is like just being patient and really kind of being that consistent message of helping them maximize, whether it be the great times or, you know, and, my opinion, I think we learn the most through our most challenging times and really helping them through those times, especially. I got one more before we take a quick break. It's unrelated to all of this. Mm-hmm. When you were on campus, did you attend the dining halls, North and South? I did. Okay. 100%. Okay. So we've got a running tally here. I won't tell you what the score is or who said what. If you had to pick, are you a North or a South dining hall guy? South, 100%. 100%. No, now, North, when I was here, wasn't as nice as it is I now. I know, they've, they've improved. Yeah. yeah. North wasn't great at all. Okay. So South, and I lived in O'Neill Hall, so oh, I was right, right behind right it. There. So no doubt in my mind, South Dining Hall, 100%. Three to two now is the score. South has wow. the lead. It was tied before. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I get the tiebreaker, I said, at the end of the year. So we got four more episodes on the football show. We'll maybe check in then, maybe go throughout the whole year. But you're going to cast an official vote for South. Right? South Dining Hall. All right. No I still doubt. respect you as a man. But when it comes to your dining hall pick, I'm a North guy. So. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our From the Irish segment, all right? Perfect. Sounds okay. good. Before we get back to the show, we want to tell you a little more about our presenting partner, TireRack.com. While we've been talking running, passing, and scoring, the experts at TireRack have performance of a different kind on their minds. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide make tire buying a snap with mobile tire installation that comes to you. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. All right, Amir, it's time for our From the Irish segment presented by TireRack.com. We always have listeners submit questions. We have one. Uh, It's from Nathan, who lives in Easley, South Carolina. Okay, here's his question for you. He says, what is your most memorable moment in a Notre Dame uniform? It was definitely the Michigan game. (laughs) 2014 yep. when I scored two touchdowns and we beat them 31 to zero, <laughs> you know, just the, the legacy of that rivalry and us just blowing them out. Absolutely. Under the lights, the right? Yeah. Under the lights. Yeah. And I think it was really, I think 31 was the official score, but I think it was 38. We They put the it, on the scoreboard too. They, they have the score up there and they took it off after. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know why I still don't know to this day why they didn't count the <laughs> interception touchdown as a touchdown, but 100%. That was my most memorable moment. It was just an amazing experience across the board. Great team effort. Had an opportunity to contribute to it, which was awesome. Amir, thank you so much for joining us on this week's edition of Wake Up the Echoes. Keep up the great work. I thank love hearing you. you talk about what you're doing with the team. Uh, it's great to hear and see. I hope we get to talk to you again. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys for having me. That does it for this week's edition of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireRack.com. Thanks, as always, to the head coach, Marcus Freeman, as well as Michael Vinson and Spencer Schrader for stopping by. And also, thanks to Amir Carlisle for coming in and talking to us about his role with the football team. Remember, download, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Would love to see you subscribe and hit that like button on the YouTube channel as well. Don't forget, this weekend, the Jewel Shillelagh rivalry presented by DirecTV is on the line between Notre Dame and USC, one of the best weekends of the year. Until next time, we will talk to you on Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireRack.com. Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireRack.com, is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour.